Uh, we do have a uh, guest speakers today, uh, all the way from New Zealand. Uh, we have Dave and Megan Blyley going to speak to us. We're uh, we're hoping to bring Dave and Megan over in January, uh, in, uh to come and actually visit the church and, and do some various things with us. Uh, hopefully, the restrictions lift. Uh, I've heard rumors that WA is just going to bypass the rest of Australia and open the door to New Zealand because they've done a good job with the virus unlike our East Coast counterparts, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> excited to have them here. Uh, so I'm going to stop screen sharing and I'm going to turn it over to Dave and Megan uh, to, uh, to preach the word to us. Awesome. There we go. So thanks so much for making room in the Zoom for Megan and I. We're so glad that we can see you guys. Many are familiar faces, and uh, we're just excited that both Western Australia and New Zealand are leading the way battling COVID-19, so much so that we are going to open our borders to Western Australia in <laughs> September. I have direct communication with our Prime Minister. We're looking good, so all systems are go. <laughs> but we are privileged to speak to you guys, and... We love the Camerons. We, we love them like they're family. So thank you, Sam and Michelle, for having us speak tonight. And we're very inspired by the church in Perth and what's going on there. I think you guys are approaching 100 or are 100 or have surpassed 100 or hovering. I don't know. But the, the point is that the church is growing and it's clear that God is using their leadership. And you guys are blessed to have them leading the way there. And I love Sam's teaching and preaching. It's always very meaty. And also congrats, Sam, on getting your Aussie citizenship. That's great news. Good to hear. Megan's going to share a few things, and then we're going to turn over to Genesis chapter 39 and learn about the life of Joseph. So yeah, we, we're happy to be here with you. Um, we've just uh, finished uh, like eight weeks of, no, six weeks of pretty serious lockdown where you were only allowed to leave your house to the grocery store um, and you weren't even allowed to drive um, around and the police would get you. But anyway, it paid off, but we did all lose our minds a little bit. Um, but we're coming back. We're coming back to life. <laughs> Michelle uh, felt sorry for me during that time and sent me a package that only got stuck at customs because the couriers were overloaded and couldn't deliver and we got it too late but when it came it was amazing it was like was, christmas it, it felt like christmas it was really awesome so uh yeah but uh, good news from auckland uh one of my close friends and a neighbor uh she was studying the bible leading up to the lockdown um we got a 48 hours notice that we're going into strict lockdown so uh, we were moving through her Bible studies and I asked her, well, let's get baptized. Why do you, you get baptized before we go into lockdown? And so we studied, finished the studies that day. And then the next day, right before lockdown, she became a Christian, which is awesome. And then um, two people, as soon as we got out of lockdown, were baptized as well, that were waiting um, to be able to. So, so God's been working even in spite of COVID. I'm happy to be with you today. Awesome. So Genesis 39 is where we're reading from. It, it is the story of Joseph. And you've probably heard it before, maybe once or maybe twice. And it's well known because Joseph flees from sexual temptation, which is awesome. But hopefully this afternoon, we can get a bit of a bigger picture about what's going on in Genesis 39. 
I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We'll read to the end of the chapter and then look at a few points from Genesis 39. So starting in verse 1, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Of course, this is a great story about Joseph fleeing temptation, but I really believe the chapter is really highlighting God's sovereignty. In verse 2, it says, The Lord was Joseph so that he prospered. Same thing in verse 3. It's the Lord who gives him success, and his master sees this success. In verse 5, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And that's the very same idea at the end of the chapter. In verse 21, the Lord was with him. 
Verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success, whatever he did. So yeah, it's really awesome to see Joseph and his conviction to flee, but it's even more inspiring to see God and his sovereignty working in these situations. Joseph is a slave and he's been thrown into exploitation, first at the Ishmaelites, now under Potiphar, and he's also a prisoner. So you can't get more bottom of the barrel than being a slave and being a slave in prison. And in both of these cases, God reigns supreme and his sovereignty is displayed. So let's look at a few points based on this conviction that God has complete sovereignty over any system. First of all, let's talk about focusing on God's intentions. If you look at Joseph's mindset throughout all of this, it's unbelievable the conclusion that he reaches. And that conclusion is given to us in Genesis 50, verse 20. Listen to what Joseph says, talking to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so th this is really the mindset of a godly person. They're focused on God's intentions, not the intentions of other people. And most 17-year-olds that I know have roofs over their head, they have meals to eat, they have clothes on their back, they have transportation to wherever they need to go. And Joseph, in contrast, at the age of 17, is stripped, thrown into a pit to die, sold into slavery, and taken to a foreign country as property. So, so if anybody has justification for how they behave and how they think, surely Joseph has the ace, ace card here. You want to know why I'm angry? You want to know why I'm cynical? You want to know why I don't trust people? It's because I've been abandoned and mistreated and wrongly accused. That's why I'm the way I am. Talk about all these scars and setbacks. But none of this prevents God from working. And this is extremely inspiring because no matter your suffering, no matter your setback, God has something intended for you and for the church. In, in everyday life, we always use this depth perception with our vision. I wear contacts and I wear glasses, so I've, I, I notice when one of my eyes isn't functioning properly. And when they're both working well, you can kind of get a complete picture. You get the, the full view. You get reality. But if you have a lazy eye, your, your depth perception starts to go off, and, and you can only focus on certain things. But if everything is functioning properly, you can see how close someone is, how far someone is, if it's an object, if it's a person, and it gives you great, it gives you the whole picture. And the world really lacks this kind of spiritual depth perception. And in some sense, the world kind of has a lazy eye that only focuses on problems, only focuses on people, and only focuses on the situation. And for God's people, it's so important for you and me in the church to really have this, this depth perception that sees and is aware of what's going on, but also keenly aware of what God is intending to do. And I think that's very appropriate for the times we're living in now. It's actually easier to be spiritual when you meet face-to-face, -face, when you take communion with your brothers and sisters, when you have fellowship, when you can sing together and everything's normal, you can, you can gain some spiritual momentum. But I think it requires a bit of 
depth to be locked inside of your home, watching church online where you can't really interact with people and you're homeschooling your kids and you're trying to work and you're trying to do all of these different things. And to be keenly aware that despite of the situation, God still has a sovereign intention. And maybe it's for us to be, get, become more mature or to connect more with our families or maybe even refine us to reach a lost world. But God has something more that he intends to do. And surely Joseph probably wrestled with this thought as he's been abandoned, enslaved, and imprisoned. Surely he, he must have wrestled with all his scenarios and all of his setbacks. But his conclusion was that God intended this for good. Megan's going to share some thoughts. So where does your lazy eye focus? <laughs> um, how is your focus? I actually have a lazy eye. Uh, when I was about five, they diagnosed me with this and I was seeing double all the time. So almost daily, I, for years, I had to do eye exercises to strengthen the muscle in the weaker eye uh, so that I could see one image instead of two. And, um, and it, it's taken practice. So even now, um, almost every day I'll see double, but now I can control it. I can put it back together or I can even make myself see double if I want because I can control the muscles. But I think spiritually speaking, it's a similar thing as well to train ourselves to be able to see spiritually and through God's perspective and not our own perspective. Isolation can, can make us feel a lot of different things and not just you know, staying at home more, isolating us from people can um, affect us, but even just being on normal day life, Perth and Auckland are two very isolated cities in, in the world. We're probably up, up the top up there. I think Perth is the isolated, most isolated they say, and Auckland is definitely one of them as well. And so, um, so I can connect to the world um, based on uh, social media, Facebook, the news, all these things. I can feel, I can watch the news and still feel this fear of COVID, even though in our country we have one case um, in the entire country. <laughs> uh, but yet we walk out, oh, we still don't want to touch anything. And, you know, um, the media can affect that or, or um you know, the, the social injustices in America and all the emotion there, and I can carry that. And my, my lens is, is focused on all these world issues that, um, yeah, I need to pray about, but actually that's on, on God's shoulders. That's not mine. I, I can't do anything about those things. And then I miss the people standing right before me in the grocery store because I'm focused on all these other things. And, and I need to train my, my eyes to focus where God wants me to focus. Um, on the things right before me, what has he put in my life that he wants me to to focus on and give to um, and and even the people right before me, not the people necessarily in far off lands, although it 's awesome we give to Fiji and take care of these things but but he really wants us also to focus where we are and let these problems um, rest on his shoulders so instead of focusing on people and problems. Let's become men and women who constantly focus on God's intentions. And secondly, because God is sovereign and he's going to do his part, it's helpful that we can focus on our character. God has made clear throughout Genesis and, and through the scripture and through our lives that he's always going to show up. He's always going to make good on his promises. 
And that gives us opportunity to develop our character. And in this passage and in this chapter here, you see Joseph, and he's maintaining moral and sexual purity despite daily temptation. So you see his character develop in this chapter. Look at how he responds after these advances from Potiphar's wife. In verse 9 and 10, he tells her, How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And as you read this, it almost sounds unbelievable because you never see this kind of happen in TV shows today. It's, it's always that the, they give in to these kind of temptations. A young, handsome man being advanced on by a high-ranking official's wife, they, they don't turn that down. But in here in this passage, we see Joseph with the character to be loyal to God and also loyal to Potiphar. I think earlier in his life, he was trying to develop character, but it was a bit superficial. And I think that could be true for our lives as well, where we're, where we're trying, but it only has a superficial nature to it. Earlier, when Joseph reports to his father about his brothers in chapter 37, it says he brought a bad report to their father about his brothers. And it can kind of seem like, okay, dad, I'm loyal to you. I want to let you know what your sons are doing because I, I, I'm really loyal to you and I want to report on what's really going on. But that, that word bad report is also used in Numbers 13, 32, where it says they spread a bad report and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. That wasn't a really good intent they had. They were trying to create negativity. And, and possibly in Joseph's mind, he's thinking, okay, dad, I'm going to be loyal to you and I want to tell you what's going on. But his brothers didn't interpret it like that at all. It's more likely he was doing this in a superficial way to say, look, I'm loyal to you. But it, it's more likely his motive was just to gain favor with his father. Now, here in chapter 39, it would have been really easy for him to give in to this temptation. He, he could have easily slept with Potiphar's wife. He could have kept it hidden. And then the very next day, he could have pretended like he had been loyal to Potiphar, carry on his duties, carry on his housework. But his reasoning, as we see in the scriptures, is I can't do this to God. I can't do this to Potiphar. I have to be loyal. I can't compromise my character, even when no one was looking. And I, I think for myself, I, I'd much rather have character to be spontaneously created than to try to develop it over a long time. But the Bible helps us understand that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character. And so character isn't just spontaneously created, it's deliberately crafted. And it also involves a bit of suffering and it involves perseverance. And in, in the world today, it, it seems like character just takes a back seat. And you can access anything quick, except character, because it takes such a long time to develop. But, but the world needs desperately to see men and women who possess character. My kids and your kids need to see teens in our churches that have character. And our teens need to see singles and university students that have character. 
And our singles and uni students need to see married men and women who have character. And of course, in this passage, there's an obvious application about purity. And you see Joseph, like the shining icon of character in this passage. And, and today, you know, sadly in our world, and even in the church, it, it's quite shocking how much struggling with pornography, struggling with internet pornography, struggling with sexual impurity becomes normal. It's become normal, even in the Christian world. And, and the thing that happens is young men and young women struggle privately with their purity, but then publicly they pretend like they're being loyal to God. And I know I've been there, and, and maybe some of you are there right now, but that is a complete character sham. You who you are in private is who you are in public. And I, I just got to warn anybody that's kind of in this boat that sexual sin will ruin you. It will rob you of what God wants to really do in your life. And in this passage, you see a young man consistently refusing to indulge in impurity. And it's a, it's a question we always have to ask ourselves. How is our character in this area? Constantly refusing or consistently compromising? And I know there's been times in my life where my lack of character prevented God from using me to a greater degree. But on the encouragement side, your depth of character allows God to use you to a greater degree. I mean, we see that with Joseph. He's here in the pit, and this two chapters later, he goes to the palace. See his character grow and develop. And as a result, God is able to use him to save many lives. And God is always doing his part because he's sovereign, but it gives us, all of us, opportunity to focus on our character so that God can use us to a greater degree. And lastly, because God is sovereign, it allows us to really look forward and focus on renewal. The story of Joseph starts back in chapter 37, and it fins, finishes in Genesis chapter 50, but there's, there's these discernible patterns and these very recognizable symbols that keep appearing throughout his story. For instance, in chapter 37, when he's sold into slavery, he loses his garment, and he's thrown into the pit. Two chapters later, chapter 39, what does Potiphar's wife take? His garment. He loses his garment again, and he's thrown into the pit. And then chapter 40 or 41, while he's in the pit, he comes out of the pit to meet Pharaoh. And what happens? He, he shaves his head, and he changes his clothes. He changes his garments. And so you know, th th this is one connection out of many, but there's these Patterns, you know, lose the garment, go to the pit, lose the garment, go to the pit, get the pit, go to the garment. I mean, you, you'll see this over and over, and, and there's many instances like this. It's, it's almost like watching Groundhog Day, where you see the same thing over and over and over. The weatherman, Phil, stuck in the time loop, doesn't know what to do, tries to escape, but finally says, let, let me use my opportunities to better myself and other people. And, and throughout this story, of Joseph and Genesis, you'll see the author deliberately creating this little bit of time loop. I have seen this before. I've seen this pattern before. 
it sounds like a story that was only a few chapters earlier. And why is that? Why is the author creating this loop? Well, there's, there's probably a lot of answers, but one of them is perhaps God is giving these characters an opportunity for renewal, to come out of this time loop, to come out of being stuck, and to change who they are. One example would be Judah. In chapter 37, Judah and his brothers bring the robe to Jacob, the father, and they say, examine this. Examine this robe to see whether it is your son's. And in the very next chapter, chapter 38, Judah and Tamar, Tamar disguises herself as a prostitute. Judah sleeps with her. And the story climaxes when Tamar says, see if you recognize whose seal and whose cord these are. I've underlined that word because it's the exact same Hebrew word that Judah and his brothers used when they brought the robe to their father and it said, look at it, examine this and see if this is Joseph. Now the next chapter, it's Tamar saying, examine this, look at this, whose is this? And imagine Judah, that, that's almost the exact same phrase, and it probably resonated with him. And he maybe even thought back to this instance with his brother Joseph and says, man, you know, this time, I'm not going to stay stuck in the time loop. I'm going to own up. That's my stuff, and she is more righteous than I. That's what Judah says about Tamar. And you'll see this, that God is constantly offering these characters renewal and the ability to come out of this loop. And this is such great news because with God, you're not stuck to be the same person that you were yesterday or last week or last month or last year. And I love that about God, that we don't stay stuck in the time loop. He's the only one that offers this constant renewal of your mistakes, of your guilt, of your shame. God wants to bring you and me and all of us out of the time loop. Megan's going to share some thoughts as well. So it's definitely a time of renewal for us here in New Zealand and really for, for many places around the world. Maybe, maybe you feel this way too. After a, a, in a couple of months ago, it felt like the whole world stopped and everyone became shut-ins. Um, every country you were seeing on the news, they stay home, stay home, stay home. And it's like God put everyone in a timeout. <laughs> timeout, and it's time to think about, consider your life, consider your ways. Um, and, and I really believe it's a, it's a form of discipline that God is trying to do to humanity. And it's very rare that it's a, a joint global hmm. discipline at the same time. So that's what makes it such a unique um, situation we're in at the moment. Uh, but for New Zealand, we are so lucky that we're now able to come out of it. Uh, we're, we're allowed to have even 100 people if your house can fit it. Uh, but it, it, what I've noticed is that people are hesitant. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I started on this same theme of um, the characters in Genesis. I started thinking about what was it like for Noah and his family to come out of the ark and I looked at the passage and I, last night I met with a, a group of sisters and we, we read this passage and it says actually that, um, well, they were in the ark for uh, 10 days past a year and then uh, the earth was dry for almost two months before they got out of the ark. And they only got out of the ark because God then said, you can come out now. It actually says that you can come out now. 
um, or come out now. And that's when they came out. And I, I feel like we could relate to that. There was a sister there last night in our church with this little meeting we had with some sisters. And we've been able to meet with people for three weeks now, but, or coming on through something like that. And she, that was the first time she's seen anyone outside of her family, even though she's been allowed to. Um, and it's, it's quite common, this feeling of, uh, and then it's awkward. Are we allowed to hug? I don't know. Are you supposed to stand? It's this, um, but it's a, it's a time of renewal for the, the city of Perth, for the country of New Zealand, for Western Australia, rather, um, because we can now go back. But do we really want to go back to um, how we were before? What was it that God was trying to renew in us? And have we learned it? Um, you know, the, the scriptures say that God disciplines um, his children and uh, produces harvest of righteousness and peace but for those who are trained by it. So we can, we can choose whether we're going to be renewed or not and trained. And I just really want to encourage you to think about that. What, what do I want to do different? What do I want to focus on? I know for me, I've been thinking a lot about I really want to um, not necessarily be just busy as a family, but really purposeful um, when I'm spending time with my children, be really present um, and and um, involved and not my mind everywhere, uh, but focused. And when I'm with the church, uh, being really focused on giving there as well and not necessarily spread so thin that you're, you're just, you're, your mind is everywhere. Um, and so I think this time out has, has helped me with that, to be able to be focused on the right things. I'll let Dave just in. Awesome. So as disciples, we get this renewal on a weekly basis. We come together in, in some way, shape or form, whether it's Zoom or personally, but we do so to get renewed and remember Jesus. We remember his sacrifice and that we're allowed to come out of this time loop, that we can stop the Groundhog Day, that we can be different men and different women. And we also have this renewal to offer to others. When we come out of this crisis, we're offering men and women in a lost world the ability to be renewed. So as we conclude this afternoon, it's such an encouragement that God is sovereign over any system you can imagine. And because he is sovereign, then you and me and as a church, we can focus on his intentions, not focusing on problems, not focusing on people. And because he's sovereign, let's take this opportunity to really grow and build genuine godly character. And last, let's embrace renewal. We love you guys. We hope to see you at some point in the next six months to a year. Thanks again for the privilege to speak. Amen.